You're listening to the Screaming Pods Network. Welcome to the Sacred Collective, where we have honest conversation and no judgment. Discuss theology and current events in an open and thoughtful setting. Say things that you are too afraid to say in church. We welcome your beliefs. We welcome your ideas. Join us. Find us online at ScreamingPods.com, on iTunes at The Sacred Collective, on Twitter, Sacred underscore MN, and on Facebook, Sacred Collective Twin Cities. Shit. (laughs) Welcome to The Sacred Collective. Um, We're talking about art today. So, my name's Brian. That's actually not true. I'm Brian. We're going to do roll call. So, Brian. Amanda. Angela. Caleb. Joshua. Kayleen. They call me Mason. <laughs> awesome. So, how I decided to kind of come up with this talk this week was this past Saturday, I saw Derek Webb, one of my favorite musicians, and it was a house show. Tweet us. Hashtag Derek Webb. Hashtag Derek Come on our Webb. podcast, please. I did talk to him. He's a very nice guy. So, he's hash, really hashtag nice Derek Webb. Um, hashtag. I think he might be bisexual. He like hints at it all the time on Twitter. That's cool. Hashtag. I'm here for that. Ha- hashtag. hashtag he, we all are here. For he he really did oh, that. Did you read that tweet about uh, queer eye? The new. He's like, I'll kiss them all on the lips, and I yeah, <laughs> and I don't even care about. That's it. not very. That subtle. makes me so happy if Derek Webb is bi. Anyway, pretty sure he is. Anyway, Derek Webb was an amazing show. The show where it was a house show, and it was in a freaking mansion in Edina, and it was awesome overlooking a lake. But anyway, he was talking about art, and as a, his particular medium is music, and he was just saying, my job here isn't to make music that always makes you happy because obviously you kind of well not kind of, he was a Christian he had the, his band Cadence Call and now for a number of years has done his own acoustic and his own stuff on his own and his last album Fingers Crossed is kind of like his walking away from faith and Christianity away from his marriage that fell apart um, however he did say at the, at the show he's working on his new album called Targets and it's a punk rock album so he's going to go from fingers crossed to this. Anyway, but he was saying part of being an artist of any kind of thing is not to show you like where you need to be or what you need to be, but just to kind of be here to kind of talk about society, to do whatever. And so what kind of just shot through my head was like, why don't we talk about art? Because I think we all have our own thoughts and ideas about art and how it's influenced us. And I know we could probably be here for weeks talking about art, but I just have a couple of questions, just nothing too in-depth. So the first one is, what is art? Ooh, baby. Yeah, it's kind of very broad, but... Do you want to do it then? Are you playing at me? Oh, I guess I did study art history in college. And I will (laughs) go into a big art history dialogue later. I have papers with me. Um, I did some research on uh, kind of the art history of both Christ and the devil. Ooh, and then I had huh. some paintings that I remembered from art history that really um, influenced my views about Christ and the devil and have stuck with me. But I think a good quote about art um, 
I believe it's Andy Warhol, and I will get crucified if it's not, <laughs> but um, is anything that you can get away with. Mm-hmm. I like that. Mm-hmm. That's very good. Drop the mic. I don't... Yeah. The end. Anybody else have anything? Well, we, well you said remind me of like Paradise Lost, like Milton, like Miltonian kind of the, the archetypes of Christ or God versus the devil. And it's like, it makes you think about like whoever's telling the story is the good guy. Yep. And so if the story is told from Satan's perspective, then he's the good guy. Right. I love Milton. Yeah. I love Paradise Lost. I love the the imagery of the devil as sort of playing God off as a tyrant. Like, would you really put up with this sort of being who lies and cheats and steals for no good reason? You're just saying, you know. Old Testament God is a dick. Like, (laughs) he still is. Still is. <laughs> oh, I just got struck by lightning. <laughs> I, I actually do that at work sometimes. I'll say, if I'm lying and God's dragging me down, I'll pretend to be electrocuted, and my volunteers lose their shit. Because <laughs> <laughs> you work for a Christian organization. And we're all I can see Christians. how they would, they would lose things, yeah. I can see that. Anybody else? No? Well, I don't know. For me, to me, art's different. Uh, art, art. One of my good friends, and when I was working at the college I was working at, she was an art history major, and she said art isn't supposed to make you happy or sad. Art's just supposed to make you think. Ooh, I like that. Yeah. And because I remember getting into this conversation with her, because one of her favorite pieces was called the Piss Christ, where it was someone who just had a picture of Christ. And as our, and he just pissed on it, and it pissed me off, literally, fun intended. Um, that risque. That that she was like saying that, but then I felt like an ass because she was like, "Well, Brian, it's that what that art piece is doing is it's putting this. You're getting mad and angry, and that's part of what the artist yeah. is is like saying is like, I'm not doing this because he necessarily hates Christ. He's saying." What would you do potentially if I pissed on this deal? Mm. And so I was like, oh, once she once she did that, I was like, said that, I was like, oh. And so I've kind of looked at art always in a different way. But I mean, there's art like fine art and like painting and sculpture. But then art can be poetry. It can mm. be you know music. It can be any of that. So I would say art makes you feel too. Yeah. Well, and, and it's not always positive. It can be negative. It can be yeah. sorts of. It's very abstract. Yeah. 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 But I think it's people using their own emotions, their own feelings to express themselves to others that makes them feel or makes them, whether it's uncomfortable or uh, um, or to comfort them, you know? Yes. Yeah. That's good. All yeah. of those mm-hmm. things. Mm-hmm. It invokes something. Yeah. Yeah. It's like the, being a creature that speaks. Yeah. I mean, like it's provocative. It stirs something up. Well, it leaves something behind, too. Like everyone, it's weird how we have this almost genetic disposition to have a legacy. Mm. Um, and like I, that's how I feel artists a lot of artists legacy so I remember there's a, a guy told me like art he said um, inheritance isn't someone you leave to someone it's something you leave in someone and I think art does that it leaves something inside of you mm-hmm. like it leaves an impression that that's you don't get somewhere else yeah well I think a lot of art is intimate you know because I mean it's usually one or two usually a single artist creating a piece that they've spent hours like working on and then revealing it to them is almost in a certain way I mean and I'm not going to like it coming out of the closet or something, but it's it's almost like you're sharing the most intimate part of yourself with someone and you have no idea how they're going to react. You know? That was fucking deep, dude. 
What what happens when that doesn't happen though? Like it's meant to do that and it doesn't. Because there's a lot of art that doesn't. That's true. And I think that's unless your tastes are bizarre for the most part. Like you'll find someone who will like it. Right. Like think about all the weird shit people like. Look around this place. (laughs) (laughs) Well, I mean, the the what I had like stirring in my mind as I thought about that is like just like. And this is obviously like a judgment, but like when you think of like bad art, like when you think of bad music or what like commonly is thought of as bad music, is that something that is meant to be artful, but or meant to be art, and then it's just failing to deliver? What's going on there to make it bad? The first example that comes to my mind Nickelback. Is a t- no, <laughs> I think Charles. Yes, I was, I was thinking Atari's ET the Extraterrestrial game. Oh fuck! <laughs> I played that game. That was so bad they actually just buried it in the fucking desert. That's right. You know, like they made this thing There's that a documentary was super on that excited about, and then it was so bad they wanted to like literally bury just, it. Yeah. Like get it. Like get this fucking thing. Yeah. yeah. Which they did do. They buried it. Yeah. Oh my gosh, they really... No, there was a documentary on Netflix they, about they it. They dug a hole, they put it in the hole, they covered the hole with dirt. They buried it. Yep. Listen, okay, <laughs> think, about, think about a popular band that puts out uh, the, another another album and it just falls flat. Nickelback. No, yeah. Every album. Yeah, yeah. and everyone... Like, I mean, they still have a niche, you know. Uh, Canada. Clearly. <laughs> but Canada you know, is Can you think of any, uh, like... Sequels that just—I mean, obviously sequels are different, but I mean, um, yeah. Um, Independence Day two bombed. On pur- yeah, almost on purpose. <laughs> that was like self-immolation. Mm, yeah, that was a terrible. Yeah, those days are massive. It's like that's something. That's something like like Independence Day two is a movie that they spent millions and millions of dollars making, yeah. being like this will have an audience, and it was just like <laughs> so many people had to approve of that happening. Yeah, like so many people had to say, "Oh yeah, we're gonna sign off on this before it, it, ha- it before it came to fruition." And to me, like that's the interesting thing about art is that, like, I'm a musician, and as a musician, I'm never done with my project. Like, I'm never fully satisfied. I have to go ahead and, and cut myself off and release it, and just say, "Okay, I'm done with this. I'm not gonna touch it anymore." Because otherwise, I'll work on a song for the rest of my fucking life. My F word life. <laughs> yeah, you know, I'll just <laughs> never stop doing it because you're, you're never going to perfect it. But it's, it's an expression of where you're at in that time and place, right? And if you and play that true. live, it's always going to evolve, right? Like, and that's you know, like you get fans that like will whine about a band playing a song differently live, but like honestly, like that's that's the artist needing that song to oh be God, yeah. to evolve, yeah. right? Like, and there's artists who you know made a song ten years ago they don't want to sing anymore. Right. And then mm-hmm. fans get really mm-hmm. upset because it meant yeah. it meant yeah. a lot to them. Yeah. But then at the time, the artist is thinking, "Ugh, that was ten years right. ago." Play like, creep. You're so out of that. Yeah. <laughs> Play creep. I think it was. I think it was David Bazan on. Tom York just sets um, himself on fire. Like, <laughs> I'm done with this shit. I'm done with it. <laughs> I think it was David Bazan on a literature's podcast. He talked about how there's certain songs that he's not just not going to sing anymore. He's like, yeah, you might like the songs for you, but it'll be forced and it won't be art. It won't be art anymore. Yeah, it'll just mm. be something that I'm forcing, and you'll mm. it'll the music will suffer because of it, and the project will suffer because of it. That's a good, when does art stop being art? That's a good question. When it's exploited, does it though? Can be. Is it is it that subjective or, or is there an objectivity to it? Think about it this way. So Banksy came to the states and tagged a bunch of banks. All right, a bank manager painted over it because he thought it was graffiti. Mm. He got fired because he ruined a piece of wow, art. Wow, really? Yeah. Mm-hmm. But I mean, that's like 
Banksy kind of destroyed the idea of graffiti. The idea of graffiti is to destroy shit. And, mm-hmm. like, to, mm-hmm. to, like, no one's listening to you, so it's it's a protest. Yeah. You know? Um, but when the protest becomes the art piece, you know, like, there's some murky there. Because, I mean, I love Banksy. I think a lot of this right. is great. But it's... He's trying to make a point and destroy shit, but then now the stuff he's destroying, he's now made incredibly valuable. Wow. So he's doing something oh, he's wow. not intending to do. So I don't know. Angela knows a lot about that. Uh, yeah, it's... And, I mean, people like Shepard Ferry, who started off literally... He made these... Um, Shepard Ferry is the CEO of the Obey company, if you know of, like, the mm-hmm. t-shirts that say Obey. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, he started out as a graffiti artist... He made like this, like he and his friends thought it would be funny if they made this image of Andre the Giant, the uh, oh. wrestler. If you don't know who he is, yeah. come He's on, so sweet. gear head on. Anybody want a peanut? And um, <laughs> he was in Princess Bride. And uh, it said like Andre the Giant has a posse or something, and he just posted them all around town. So he's like, <laughs> like. Awesome, and you know if his friends would see it on television, Slayer Andre sticker, yeah, you know, and now it's evolved into like a million dollar company, and like that image isn't even like he doesn't even put that image on like a t shirt, like it just says obey on a t shirt. You pay fifty dollars for it, and it's like how does an artist go from? Doing basically an inside joke with his friends to being the CEO of a multi-million-dollar company. Is that? Do you think that's related to whenever people like into a band and then they become mainstream and they get pissed off that they get popular? They get pissed off that other people like them. Mm. Uh, depends on what. I mean, like I know Nirvana was like that. Yeah, and I know the Sex Pistols were going to be put into the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame and they contacted Johnny Rod and he's like, you guys can fuck off. Like, he's, he was like, I don't want to be in a Hall of Fame. You guys are idiots. Like, I mean, it just depends on the person, I guess, and it depends on what, it, it depends on their integrity and it depends on what you're trying to put forth with your art. Because, I mean, both Nirvana and Sex Pistols, and I'm not even that big of a Sex Pistols fan. I think there are a lot more bands that do punk a lot better than the Sex Pistols. That's a whole nother podcast I go on for hours about, which I won't do right now. Um, But, I mean, their whole idea was, and I mean, even the Sex Pistols were manufactured. Mm -hmm. Like, Sid Vicious's whole look was, oh my god, I'm going on a tangent. Do it, do it. Um, A quick tangent. Um, so, the manager of the Sex Pistols, a guy named Malcolm, saw a band in America called the New York Dolls who had a member called Richard Hell. Richard, Sid Vicious is England's Richard Hell. Oh. Like, Malcolm saw Richard Hell and was like, oh my god, I'm taking this prototype yeah. of a person. This brand. Brand. Yeah. Back to England, and I'm going to make myself a Richard Hell. Mm. And he molded Sid Vicious, the ripped <coughs> clothes, the safety pins, the spiked hair, everything Richard Hell did first. Mm. And Malcolm was like, I need this in England. Sid's a young, dumb kid. I'll promise him... Yeah, well, this was like 45 fame. years ago. Yeah, I'll now, promise him fame with this band. Shit, yeah. Dude. Mm-hmm. Like, this yeah. was this and guy was just... he just molded him into... 
the brand right, Sid right. Vicious, which was based off of a guy named Richard Hell. Wow. Look it up, it's interesting. My reference for like a manufactured band is like the monkeys. Yeah, they were literally like yep. made yeah. by a producer. They were and Demon Hunter and like they were yeah, Demon Hunter. Yeah, mm-hmm. Demon oh, Hunter. And then, like anything I hear on the and I was we were talking about this today, right? Are you here, Mel? Are you are you are you alive? No, you're you're shaking your head. Um, we were talking about this today though about how like uh, boy bands are just they there's no art art there's no artistic. Um, Integrity there. There's no. Really, they don't write anything. Like yeah. it's, it's. Yeah, they, they are a, a face. They're an image that is projected. They're that, selling. They're selling. Yeah. Sexy sex. Yeah. The sexy sixteen-year-old sex. sex. Yeah. Tell yeah. me about that. Icky. So mostly dry. Hunt. Go on, Mason. Icky. Go well, on. Like lust, <laughs> not sex. Lust, infatuation. Oh, lust. Mm-hmm. Infatuation. Oh, that's, that's good. That's, that's different. Frustrating. And it's probably more infatuation is much different. Yeah. Well, yeah. Yes. Depends. How did we get talking about boy bands and sex? Oh man, you, you tell me it's here. Oh, it God damn it! Sorry, guys. <laughs> Is that it's always my second question. Yes. How does art influence you, your daily life? Uh, I can't even remember what I wrote. How does art influence your daily life? Oh, I'm just tired. Sorry, God. Is that a wink? <laughs> How does art influence my daily life? Um, or does it? It, does. it mostly yeah. shoves its way into my face through fucking advertising. Mm. You know, like you can you can pick a video on like CNN and be like, oh, I really hope those kids get out of the cave in Thailand. And before you do it, they're like, you should go to McDonald's and have a shake. I'm like, what about your kids? <laughs> like every video you click on on any news site has a fucking commercial for it, and it's like. I, I wanted to listen to this because someone just got murdered in my neighborhood, but now I kind of want a Big Mac. <laughs> <laughs> there was this great artist who basically, like, his whole, um, and he has, he's like a big toy designer now, um, which is kind of cool, but uh, he had this whole idea of, I'm assaulted with images every day, so me altering these, like, he would only paint on advertising images in New York City. Mm-hmm. So, and his name was Cause, if you, K-A-W-S. Oh. So if you look him up, um, he's like, I'm assaulted with these images every day. I feel it's my right oh. to alter them as I please, because like you're that. shoving it in my face. I'm going to shove my art back in I your like face. I like that. Oh. That's so he only altered advertisements. And I mean, New York City... <laughs> Has no shortage of advertisements, yeah. but his stuff is really cool. If you look up um, earlier cause stuff, um, he would just just anything. He would blank out a face or make like a model in an ad, like one of his little characters, or like it. He's really interesting. So, but I thought that was such a cool idea yeah. that you're shoving it in my face I'm gonna shove yeah, my art like in that. your face That's, yeah and going back to advertising I think mm. advertising sucks so much because there's so much time and energy spent by people who could genuinely be creative creators who could make good content by themselves but they're forced to work for like fucking Maytag like how can I make this washer look sexy like 
I don't know, put lipstick and heels on it. You know, like it's so. Well, have a half naked lady draped I, on I it. I feel like they're <laughs> eating a cheeseburger. Yeah. <laughs> Where's Britney Spears? But it does. It feels like there's all this creativity and like energy being wasted on just fucking nothing. Mm. I mean, worse than nothing. I mean, negative nothing. <laughs> you know? It's, wow. I don't know. So that's how art affects my daily life. But in, in other ways, like. We collect toys and we collect, you know, weird, weird old, you know, superhero stuff, um, and that kind of art means something to us in a different way. You know, and like going to exhibits. We went to the Gitmo del Toro exhibit at the MIA. That was so incredible. Mm-hmm. Like that kind of art. Like people being able to make sculptures and still doing. I mean, yeah, it's a little foreign, a little macabre, but I mean, that's. And it, I love that's that. What into. That uh, Guillermo has his. Uh, Bleak House. That's what it's called. Um, <laughs> a baby just fell onto the ground. Oh, no. <laughs> no, she did not. She hit him. She just... Oops. She wants to be in uh, the aisle. Yes, my daughter hit me in the... In the no-no. Say it. In the no-no's. Say it. In the no-no's. Um, but I Guillermo, think it's Guillermo. cool that Guillermo made Bleak House Don't so he can surround kid. himself with inspiration. And I think... That's really important to me as an artist. Like, if you look upstairs in my studio, pretty much, like, the entirety of the walls are covered. And I never really understood, like, something really popular in interior design right now is, like, the, like, Scandinavian minimalism. Oh, right. You hang one picture in the corner, and then you have a white sofa with a white rug and a white... And I was like, no, I, I want my eyes to be, like... Constantly saturating. taking in, saturating all this inspiration. So it's like I can't just put like one picture on the wall. I need to have, and I like rotate it out all the time. And like I just need to have a place where I don't know. It's kind of being constantly stimulated. And I mean, some people are stimulated by the Swedish minimalism. Yeah, and that's yeah. fine. Good for you. It's probably a lot less expensive. <laughs> um, but with me, it's like something that I need to do every day. Like, I need to process this art every day to keep my inspiration going as an artist. Because when you stop looking at things and you stop investigating and stop being inspired, your art stops. Mm-hmm. Oh, that's good. So you need to constantly be digging. Like, even if it's something... Uh, seemingly really stupid but it leads you down this amazing rabbit hole like recently um, I discovered this video game called Cuphead and it's based on like this old school like Steamboat Willie animation oh. um, and like everything looks like it's made out of like the 1930s yeah. that like really bendy arms and like the yeah <laughs> Yeah, and kind of like the big eyes and the and I was just struck by it, and then it got me down this rabbit hole of looking up like 1930s animation on YouTube, and looking up this animator and this artist who worked for Disney, but then he was too provocative, provocative, and got kicked out, and like oh, you know, wow. so it's just like one little thing, like no. seeing like a preview for Cuphead at like a GameStop or something, and then if you let yourself be just go down that rabbit hole, you'll find so much more inspiration than just being like, oh, well, that's a cool game. Mm. 
but if you go in and do the research and you know keep letting things inspire you along that journey of research like that's where the real good stuff starts mm-hmm. to happen what, what about for the people that like that's not their initial impulse it may never be like right like there's a lot of people that will look at that and like that is n- nowhere near come into conscious their consciousness of oh I need to like look into how that steamboat imagery and animation and right like that's not that will never come up in that person's consciousness right like they they won't listen to a good song and like be compelled to listen to that whole album or like that band in a whole or like even that genre right like that right. it doesn't lead them down that rabbit trail so like what what happens with that like what do we do because there's a lot of people that just don't so are there then like just a select amount of people that like can really appreciate art if you want to say that? I don't think, right? I don't like, think how it's does that a matter work? of I think someone can appreciate something if they just look at it once. I think it's a lot more of like someone who is an artist and is creating that'll go down that rabbit hole. So is art exclusively subjective? Like what you're saying, Mason, like if it's if it doesn't speak to you, does that negate it as art to you or does it does it just mean that it's art to somebody else? Like, how personalized is art? If, if I make something that means something to me, is it still art? Like, what is this word? It's, a, it's an absurd word, I, I think. I think that's why people have been asking what art is for hundreds of thousands of years, you know? Like, people don't understand. Because I think, well, I think everything's subjective. Like, I don't, I think, yeah. Because, uh, I don't Thomas Nagel wrote a book called The View from Nowhere, and that's what he calls objectivity. If you were actually objective, you would have no context. So you wouldn't be able to do anything anyway. Right. Um, so, all art's completely subjective. Um, but yeah, like if I don't like it, I don't discount it as art. It's just not something I'm into right right now. Um, but then, does that make it not art to you? No, it just makes it not for me. Um, so then, if I take a shit, but you could on a brick, is that art to somebody who likes that? Yeah, okay. yeah, cool, cool. I mean, you could there even is. say that too about like I said. I'm just thinking of like <laughs> the opposite of art. <laughs> Someone would probably think is like sports. And if I'm not into baseball, does that make a baseball player less of an athlete? Mm, Probably not. That's a good comparison. Yeah. But if I think hockey's the coolest thing in the world, am I like, oh man, Zach Parisi of the Wild could totally kick any Minneapolis or Minnesota Twins guy's ass because he's more of an athlete? I mean, it's just when sports are subjective. Everything's subjective. Isn't it all? Yeah. Why are we even, why are we alive? What matters? No, it's just what matters. Yeah, yeah, that's true. That's true. That's true. What's super like? Let's use the dumb analogy of the Cuphead video game. I look at look look at it, and I'm really inspired. I'm like, man, those guys who made the game are fucking genius. (laughs) Like, holy shit, taking something like an Xbox video game, which is so futuristic and so now and so and using something so old mm. like that's awesome I love right. that juxtaposition of old and new yes where someone could look at this like someone who's really into super realistic like call of duty games could be like what the fuck it's like a, a weird bendy looking dragon and I'm a little cop with Mickey Mouse arms like what the <laughs> fuck this is the stupidest game I've ever seen like that doesn't make it less of a game. It's yep. just yeah. that's wow. And me 
playing Call of Duty where I'm like, mm, this is weird. I don't like spending my time pretending to kill to people. Kill, yeah. Like, I mean, that doesn't make it less of a video game. Ooh. Who's seen The Day After Tomorrow? Yeah, that terrible yeah. movie with uh, Jake, Jake Gyllenhaal. Gyllenhaal. <laughs> um, so there's a Jake movie where everything's being destroyed and they're burning books in a library to stay alive. And there's atheists who grabs the Gutenberg Bible and won't let them burn it. Yes. And they're like, what are you, religious? And he's like, no, I'm an atheist, actually. But this is a pivotal point in Western civilization and it needs to be preserved. You know? Yeah. Um, that, that's how I feel like some art is to me. Yeah. Like, I, I mean, I've been to the Vatican and I was like, what a waste of resources and money. But if the Sistine Chapel were destroyed, it would be... I think it would be a huge blow to just, like, humanity. Just is, losing yeah. that, you know? is religion yeah. art? Yeah, well, I mean, I mean oh. when's the last time you were in a mosque? You know, like, mosques are beautiful. They're not allowed to have any graven images, but they're gorgeous inside. Like, the Hagia Sophia uh, or the Blue Mosque in Istanbul, like, the, I don't have to be a Muslim to appreciate its art and appreciate its beauty. You know, but it's it's. I mean, I'll never forget it. I'll never forget walking through the vineyard and walking, you know, walking into the mosque. I'll never forget it because it was just so gorgeous. I didn't feel threatened, you know. I didn't feel like, oh, this is uncharted territory. I was like, oh my god, this is beautiful. Oh, that's great. Mm-hmm. And if like if that ever gets destroyed, like that'll also be something that, you know, to me is just as equally as beautiful as the Sistine Chapel, mm. which smells like sweaty tourists, by the way. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> thank don't you, doubt thank it. you, that's weird. Don't, don't doubt it. Hunting, he's like, you know, you can't tell me what the Sistine Chapel smells like, and that always stuck with me. It still smells like sweaty tourists. It's beautiful. I think some of the most beautiful art that I've ever seen is my best friend lives in Switzerland, and seeing some of those old churches there, um, just seeing not that I believe in their theology, but like going to Geneva and seeing John Calvin's church chair and chair like his, his chair and like the spiral he walked up they preached like up and over the congregation well, they, didn't have, they didn't have any uh, extra like microphones help. yeah and so seeing that I remember when my wife was there with us she saw my friend Scott and I nerding out and she's like this is a church this is, and I'm like but you don't understand whose church this is. but just seeing just seeing that like all the art in there like the just the architecture, how old the building is, just seeing the art in there with the, the, with people spending all that time. I think the most beautiful church we saw was actually in the town they live in now in St. Gallen. It was just a beautiful Catholic church, but like all the artwork, like the carvings of like the, the Paul and Peter, but it was all in like dark black wood. Mm-hmm. Oh, so that's it, cool. So it was this beautiful church that was you know, made in stone. There was other colors and stuff. But you walk in there, and all this like the wood, all the wood in the church was just stained black. Mm. And I remember it just popped. And I don't think they did it on purpose, but I remember just sitting in there, just being like, even if you didn't believe in God, this is to me. I feel like this would still be a very cool art, like visually, like how how they did that. So I even go into churches, and I mean, do I classify myself a Christian? Yes. But just seeing in there, I kind of... It's almost like this holy place. Mm. Obviously, a church is a holy place. But just going in there, just seeing, like, how much time it took to build that, to carve it. Oh, yeah, for sure. Yeah, I mean, religion definitely inspires some of the most intense art. Yeah. You know? Is is the character... I'm going to ask you, Mason. Is the character of God an artistic conceptual or, or, or character or, or creation? Oh well, <laughs> well the I, character of God. Yeah, I I flirt enough with process theology, which that's like the whole point, right? So um, 
In fact, I'm, I'm reading COP right now. Um, nice. uh, I've been reading a lot of COP this summer. And uh, so that, like, that's essentially the, the, the most essential attribute of mm. God is God's creativity in this world mm. and creating along with, with uh, human beings and, and all creatures. Uh, so I, I would say that's like an essential part of the nature of who God is and, um, and be also being an Enneagram for that obviously resonates a lot. Okay, okay, okay. So, um, it's kind of so a, God is really you. Yes. I would like to. Yes. Yeah. Okay, that's great. That's great. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I think so. I didn't mean to interrupt you. No, no, no. That's I, I, I like, I don't know. But um, I, I was going to piggyback off of what you were saying about, like, you have some of these church structures, and they're, like, meant to elicit a response, right? Like, a lot of them are huge, right? Like, they're meant, they're totally meant to make you experience well, your infinitude. For right? Catholics, mm-hmm. for sure. Right. Uh, most, most parishioners were illiterate. So the oh, right. stories that were told on the walls is how they learned the gospels, mm-hmm. you know. So when you, because we forget, we have access to the Bible. Like it wasn't even in a common tongue until five hundred years ago, you know. And, and, and unless you were very educated, you had right. no access to it. So we had this incredible privilege to be access to all right. these things. So we were like, why didn't people say this in the third century? It's like because they they couldn't, right. they, they didn't mm-hmm. have the capacity. So like when I go through Catholic you know churches, like the single lessons are gorgeous because. That's what they're meant to do, is show you the story you can't read yourself. And then and then you have, like, I've been in, like, a few Quaker churches, and you're right, it's incredibly plain, right? Like, just some benches, some, some wooden chairs. But there's even, like, an artistic expression going on mm. with that, like, the plainness, the minimalism. It's the minimalism, yeah, right? here we go. There's even a full meetings. circle. Yeah, they well, call them meetings, yeah. But they have, yeah. It's, it's, I thought it was a special name. There is a special name. But yeah, the Quakers have a, a loose. Kind it's of called Quaker Bake, baby. That'd be great. But the Quakers actually started the lo- lobbyists. They were the first lobbyists in America. They lobbied for the right. abolition of slavery. Tell they and now it's become something terrible. I never saw that. <laughs> but you're right. There is a sim- like a beauty in the simplicity that they right. they created out of it. Uh, I think the Quakers are a great group of folks. Wonderful. Yeah. I'm a Quaker. Are you? No. Oh. Yeah. I just wrote. I wrote a paper on the Quakers recently, so I, I mean, I'm a huge fan of. Does look, does look okay. Would you believe me if I told you I was a Quaker? Oh, I mean, Quakers look like. Did you read anything yeah. about Benjamin Lay? Mm. He was not. A, he was a, what, a what year? Quaker. This was oh, just after America was formed. Uh, Mark Bainsewick does a podcast about it in Deep Roots uh, about Benjamin Lay. He was a badass. So he came over from England, and all the Quakers here were much more wealthy because they owned slaves. Okay, and he was like. No, that's not right. And he would he would literally lay in front of the church so people would have to walk over his body to get oh, in. Yeah. And like he would do all kinds of crazy shit. Like he had this Bible that he'd fill with a, a sack full of fake blood, and he'd stab the Bible in churches like to stop their sermons to be like, "This is what you're doing." To that's Jesus. some activism. Yeah, 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 yeah that's right. Benjamin Benjamin was a badass Quaker. Yeah, he was. <laughs> Goodness, that's awesome. I think this would be a good part for Angela to kind of she did some research on art. Yeah, there's some pieces that um, I'd like our listeners to look up. Um, it's just a really short list. I promise I'm not going to drone on them. Um, but these are a few pieces that I remember specifically from art history school. Um, and I think have a really interesting take on both Christ and Satan. Um, I'll do the Christ list first, if that's all right. 
Amen. Um, so the first piece I chose was The Ecstasy of St. Teresa by Bernini. That's um, a beautiful piece. Yeah, Bernini is an Italian sculptor, and it was controversial at the time because St. Teresa really looks like she's in ecstasy. Like, is there a picture? In, Let's yeah, see if it. you look it up on your phone, I hope I can. See she looks it. like straight O face. Straight O face. <laughs> straight orgasm face. What's it called? The Ecstasy of Saint Teresa by Bernini. It's Finally, awesome. somebody else it went also there it also appears me. in what did I say? Orgasms. <laughs> you talked about um, sex. I didn't. Thank you. Um. It's a gorgeous piece. I remember first seeing it in class and thinking it was amazing, but then the teacher, and I was actually at a uh, really conservative Christian school at the time, uh, our know. life drawing class, we drew guys in tank tops and swim trunks. Um, which, yeah, I really, really uh, <laughs> learned a lot about uh, how the... How, how to draw a body with giant shorts in it. <laughs> um, look up the Ecstasy of St. Teresa by Bernini. It's a gorgeous sculpture. Look at her orgasm face. It's awesome. Um, you got the arrow piercing her. Yeah. Yep, the arrow piercing her and her little... Uh, she's a friend next to her and she's kind of calming her. her uh, and it's awesome. It's an awesome piece. I love it. I love that it's controversial. I love that this Bernini was like, I'm going to make her be mm. in ecstasy. Mm. I've actually seen it in person. It's very vivid. Where's it at? It's in Rome. I'm going to go to Rome sometime. Um, it is at, let's see, uh, Santa Maria della Vittoria, Rome. That's where, that's the church. So it's cool. Yeah, it's an awesome piece. <laughs> the next one I wrote down, I think is oh sort of hilarious. Uh, it's an amazing... Um, artist named Delacroix. He was big in the Romanticism movement, which basically, for someone who hasn't studied art history, it's a giant painting where it looks like people are flailing around and things are happening over here and over here, and like it's just very active. Um, and Delacroix's uh, piece called Christ Asleep During the Tempest, it's when. Uh, it's this beautiful piece. It's all of the disciples are in this boat. It's storming. They're all freaking out. Very romanticized. Limbs are flying everywhere. And here's Jesus in the corner, fast asleep. <laughs> he has a little halo oh, around him. That story. And he just looked. His like mouth is kind of open. <laughs> He's just like. And all the rest of the disciples are like. Oh. <laughs> Freaking out. I always thought that was a funny piece, even though it's gorgeous. So look up De La Croix, D-E-L-A-C-R-O-I-X. There's an X. I-X. There's an X. Christ asleep during the tempest. It's pretty great. Um, and then one of my favorite pieces when I was an evangelical uh, was Christ of St. John of the Cross by Salvador mm. Dali. Mm. Um it's a pretty standard kind of crucifixion painting. It depicts Christ, but it's from the perspective looking down, like, from the top of the cross. Oh. So you see the top of Christ's head, you can't see his face, and then you're looking, like, lengthwise down the cross, 
down to like the ground. Oh, of course, Dolly gorgeous. would do something like that. Yeah, gorgeous, gorgeous piece. I love, I love it. Um, I was actually there was a youth group. One of my friends I had met in a youth retreat. She was a leader at a church in lacrosse, um, and they had a framed Dolly. Christ of St. John the Cross, and I almost stole it from the church. <laughs> but I didn't. But I really like that piece. We'll be um, back. We're coming and, for you. Yeah. Uh, and the other uh, Dolly crucifixion piece is just called Crucifixion Corpus Hypercubus. And it's very bizarre. It shows a man who isn't even really doesn't even look like a traditional depicted Christ hovering above this cross that's just made of cubes and then like underneath them is like this kind of like checkerboard floor mm. it's bizarre Dolly is a freak <laughs> look it up he's a great freak I, like I love Dolly yeah. um, and then kind of way off the beaten path which I always um, kind of associated with Christ was a symbolist artist named Odalon Rodan, and he had uh, a piece called Vision, which is basically like this big hallway, and there's a giant disembodied eye just kind of floating there, and then there's two like little tiny people in the left corner kind of looking up at it in awe. And it always reminded me mm. of people kind of being scared of the power of God. Mm. It's really cool. Um, yeah, just look up Vision by Odilon A or O-D-I-L-O-N Rodon R-E-D-O-N That's my Christ list. Jesus Christ. Jesus. Now we get into the Satan. The deceiver. The deceiver. I just have a couple pieces here as well if you want to look them up. Um, probably the most iconic piece of work dealing with demons is uh, Henry Fuseli's The Nightmare. Um, it depicts a woman laying on a bed um, kind of like passed out almost and there's a demon laying on her chest. Hmm. And then looking in like from a window or a doorway is a black goat. And uh, if you've That's seen if you've goat. seen The Witch... <laughs> So it's a beautiful piece. Um, I've seen it a lot in like movies depicting like there's a lot of like exorcism movies that use mm. that. Like I'll always mm-hmm. kind of clock it as like there's a facility. Oh wow. I don't know. Um, but it seems to be a really popular kind of demonic art piece. Very interesting. And you spell Fuseli, F-U-S-E-L-I. Look up the nightmare. One of the scariest paintings I've ever seen in my life, and probably is still the scariest, is Francisco Goya's Satan, or Satan, Saturn, devouring his son. That's awesome. Um... It's showing the god Saturn eating his own child. So it's basically like this crazed maniac 
and he's basically holding the lower torso of a boy. Oh my god. While blood is coming out of his mouth, and he just looks completely frenzied. And Saturn is that's Rome's version of the Greek mythology of uh, what's his name? Kronos. Yeah, Kronos eating eating children. Yep, and I was going to say Thanos. Again, I saw this when I was in a very conservative evangelical college, and I was like. Yeah, Caleb's doing the sign of the cross. Basically, I, we were all doing the sign of the cross. Like, oh my god, that's a really evil image. Um, so yeah, Francisco Goya. It's if you look up his career, his whole career is fascinating. Went from uh, painting royalty to painting Saturn devouring his son. So that that downward spiral is <laughs> real interesting. Or upward spiral. Or upward spiral, Whoa. depending. Yeah. He did get a lot more honest. Royalty with a bunch of bastards. Um, yeah. And there are a couple... Um, Dante's Inferno is like a big, big uh, artistic influence. Yes. Or was, still is. And there are two particular paintings. Um, one from William Bergerot called uh, Dante and Virgil. And it's basically Dante and Virgil... Watching these two guys in hell just completely destroy each other. Like, it's these two guys grappling. One's, like, trying to, like, bite the other guy's shoulder off. And it's just bizarre. And these two guys are, like, standing next to him, like, huh, very interesting. Wow. Like, wow. So, Donnie and Virgil are just, like, complete bystanders, like, huh, well, you look like that. And they're these two guys just, like, tearing each other apart. Sounds like everybody watching capitalism. Yeah. Oh. 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 He went there. Yeah. Welcome to the Truth Bomb. Can we talk uh, about capitalism? Another Another Capitalism art? Come on. You're right. No, 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 no. A love story. So uh, look up Dante and Virgil by William Bergerow. B O U G U E R E A U. No X. No X? Nope. The next one is another De La Croix. He's great. Look him up. Um, is The Bark of Dante. And it's Dante and Virgil in a boat while all these. Uh, damned souls are trying to get into the boat to save themselves. Oh. It's a super powerful image. Um, some people are crying. Other people are like pushing other people out of the way. Um, and one guy just is nuts on the front of the boat, and he's gnawing on the wood of the boat to try to like sink it. It's, it's a really, really emotional, intense painting. So look up the Bark of Dante by Delacroix. It's awesome. Wow. Um, and one more painting that I did see in my textbook. I actually still have it upstairs from the very conservative Christian college. They never talked about it. shall remain nameless. Because it's really... Yeah. Rhymes with Ethel. Rhymes with Ethel. Ethel Merman. Um, It's very weird. It's not really well known, but it always kind of stuck with me, and our teacher never touched on it, and I can see why. Um, It's called Night by Ferdinand Holder. And it's all these like couples laying together and then there's one man who is laying down has just 
a look of sheer terror on his face, and there's like a hump of a person underneath the covers, basically looking like he's either about to pop up or pop out and murder him, or he's like or it's sucking him off. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Um, so it's like everyone else is asleep, and there's this one man like, and he painted terror on this man's face unbelievably well, and it's just this terrifying image of like this guy like humped over and you can't see what's under the covers you just know that it's not good um and that's always I thought it was kind of like a more controversial uh Fuseli the nightmare where you just see like the lady and you actually see the demon it's supposed to be like a succubus here's a man and you can't see what's under the covers and I think that makes it so much more terrifying mm. like it could be anything like it could be anything this man thinks of as terrifying or demonic and everyone else is asleep like he's alone and here's this thing ready to like devour yeah. him um, super interesting piece it's called Night by Ferdinand Holder H-O-L-D-E-R H-O-D-L-E-R oh H-O-D-L-E-R Hodler? Hodler sorry about that okay. Sorry, German. Um, sorry, our history. We know you have a great sense of humor. H O D L E R. And that is my list the of guess. paintings you guys should look up. Well, thank you. That was, that was, yeah. that was good. That was really good. I gotta look up half those because I've never heard of half of them. Um, this wasn't on my list of questions, but th- something that kind of came into my head is how how much do you think art has influenced just our theology? Because like I like, and I've said before, like I don't really believe in hell. Well, not really. I don't believe in hell. But like, how much of like Dante's stuff, you know, and, and Milton's, like how much of that stuff have we hijacked and said, oh, this was like biblical. This was really what's in there. But it was really art, whether it was poetry oh, or painting or whatever. Well, how much of that is theology is art. Yeah, well, the, yeah, in a lot of ways, theology is art. It's an art form. Well, we forget but, that theology is us talking about God. Not uh, some sort of authoritative statement. Exactly, but how much do we, as the not, shouldn't say, as the church, how much do they take art, whatever that is, and say, well, this is what, what the Bible is, or this is what truth is, well, I mean, and really, it's not truth. Yeah. It's really just someone's interpretation so, of what they think truth is. To put my cards on the table, I think you could interchange the word theology with fan fiction, <laughs> and you wouldn't be changing the meaning of the sentence. <laughs> Um, and I, I mean that in a lot of ways because think how many people you, that do theology that were rational people would just be like that's crazy but because they say it's theology is what they believe it can be noted and put into something even if it's hateful you know and it can still be a theology like the like the Ku Klux Klan has a theology we, that's true that would be something that we wouldn't uh, I mean, none of us would agree with or endorse or want to have anything to do with but they have the right to their opinion and that's where you put that category. So that theology is complete fan fiction, I think we would all say. It's like, that's not even close. Um, it's a hard thing to say. Like, of course, like, we did the couple podcasts about hell. Like, almost all of our conceptions of hell come from Dante, not yeah. from the Bible. That's true. Um, or even, like, the typical look of Jesus Christ. Yeah. yeah. Like, the yeah. long Long-haired white he's man. white. For some reason, <laughs> he's fucking white. <laughs> Nobody knows why. Like, yeah, of course, someone wanted toes. to make <laughs> Jesus in their graven <laughs> image, so they 
chosen to be their race. Yeah, that's real. That's real. I don't don't fault Luther for this, but he translated the Greek word technon, which means builder, as carpenter, because where he was from, a builder was a carpenter. And so the image we get of Jesus as a woodworking carpenter comes strictly from Luther. And because when you're Luther, you're like, what do you build? You build houses. What do you build with in Germany? Wood. You know, well, look at Israel. They don't have forests. Yeah. Like, so if Jesus was a builder in in Palestine at the time, he would have been a stonemason. Yeah, um, or or fixing the boats of the people who became his disciples. Yeah, technon just means to build a builder. Okay, so like a you know mason or like to, we because we would think in our context carpenter or contractor. Mm-hmm. Okay. Maybe a better term, but like I would when I say carpenter, I don't even think someone who lays brick. Like we say bricklayer here. Mm-hmm. So, mm-hmm. Um, but Luther just mis. He, he didn't mean to. It wasn't his, you know that's his context. He just didn't know that. Oh yeah, there aren't any trees in Israel because he'd never been there. Yeah, I mean that was his fault. But I, like I know a guy who lost his faith over that. Who was like, wait, Jesus wasn't a carpenter, like a woodworker. <laughs> and I was like, I didn't say this to him. Somebody else did. And he was like, oh, well then everything else is bullshit. And I was like. <laughs> Wait, what? That was the that was the or like the duplicitousness or any, any, anything that matters. Jesus was not a carpenter. I'm one, done. Yeah. one I'm word. Ready. I'm out. One word. Uh, you mean he didn't make that sweet bar seat? <laughs> in Passion of the Christ. Um, <laughs> Passion of the Christ. <laughs> but I mean, that's those little little translation errors. Like that wasn't. That was almost art. He was trying. He was doing something he yeah. loved, and he was trying to give oh, wow. the Bible to everyone. He was trying to take the thing he loved the most and make it accessible to everyone, and that's what art does. It's- is is translation therefore artistic interpretation? Oh, essentially, yeah. Yeah. is it? Yeah, oh, is very it? much so. Yep. Yeah. So is it? Is it sacrilege? Is it sacrilege to translate scripture? No, no. no I don't. To think retranslate. So. No. Well, I think there's inherent danger. I mean, if you're yeah. trying to do it maliciously, then yes, it's a huge danger. Is it intense? But I yeah, well, I, was, I think most, I was, I was most folks who are trying to interpret scriptures, like I used to work with some Wycliffe Bible translators who are translating the Bible into new languages today, and none of their intent was to be malicious. Their intent was to give what they see as the word of God to other people. And I mean the best wow. of intentions, but wow. like yeah. you know, uh, sometimes, it happens. sometimes best well, intentions are lead you know, lead straight I, to hell. You know? Yeah. Well, I, think oh. I had a prof- yeah. I had a professor who was who who translated the the new NIV. The N N I V. The T N I V. The new 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 translation. The new translation that like the the most recent one. Yeah, the T N I V. Why is it called the international version? when it's like in English. Well, and they updated some of the some of the wording. You know, like like the word thong of sandal has a totally different mm-hmm. meaning now yeah. and so they changed it to, to make it more contextual right, 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 strap right. or something yeah. like that right. and so it it makes it makes sense it makes sense most, most of the time people are trying to be as yeah. generous yeah. as possible as well intended I don't, yeah. think, I don't think most people who translate have any ill intentions yes I agree um, yeah. but I so they either. can have ill consequences because if you're a so you're an English speaker or even a say you're even a, an ancient Greek speaker which there aren't any anymore when, if, if you were a Koine speaker which there aren't any because it's a dead language but um if you went into a new culture, you wouldn't understand their nuances. So when you translate the language into, say, Spanish or something, um, you don't know their context. You just know yours. So you need, you yeah. really need. There's the language. There's the culture. There's the the implications of each word. Yeah, which like, and the, and the emphasis, idioms. You know, um, the idioms can't always. Be yeah, idioms. Oh my god. They're yeah. super. I mean, Paul used that idioms all the time, and other people did as well. That's a great and point. And we don't always know 
with that. I mean, the whole serpent thing with yeah, John the Baptist. I think the way we've been taught oh, to read the Bible is all monotone. Like, it was yeah. just one long yeah. fucking monologue that just happened over and over. You know, where there's emphasis and there's different parts of Scripture that we don't take into account. Um, I don't know. Like I worked a little with translation because I my background is in ancient Greek and a little bit of Hebrew, but I mean, I only ever translated like in class because I had to. I didn't do anything that was actually gonna like be put out to the masses or anything, or like actually put into a book, you know. So like the the trigger was never like to my head. So I never really like I took it seriously and enjoyed it, but it was for my own enjoyment to to learn more about my faith and to be more involved in something that I thought was important to me. Well, the most important part of my life. You know, so that's why it's frustrating when you see, you know, people who claim that faith, Christianity is the most important part of their life, and they're just, they don't give a shit about it. You know, they couldn't care less if, you know, they don't want to read, they don't want to study, they don't want to spend their time doing that because they already know or something. I don't get that part. I don't get that. Like Pat Robertson last week said, he had a vision that he was with God the Father and sitting at the right hand of God the Father is Donald Trump. Jeez. Mm, like wow, must have quite some vision. Well, he's turning he's turning Trump into a cult leader or a cult leader. Well, Sam Peyote? But like, like, yeah, but no. Who sits at the right hand of God the Father? Every Christian should know that's supposed to be Jesus Christ, not any other right. figure. But when it says in the Bible, yeah. But I mean, that's that's and that's what the their version of the Bible. Yeah, we could go into so many radicals. Oh, uh, I guess one question I want to end with. Right. Maybe we've talked about it. Um, how does art play into your spirituality? I'll jump in on this one. Um, art, in a lot of ways, have helped me helped me deconstruct the faith that I grew up in. Um, I grew up, you know, evangelical, grew up Pentecostal, and I remember growing up not by not by my parents, but by pastors, and in the college that I went to, art was never very something they pushed. Whether it was you know, paintings or music or poetry or any kind of writer. But, you know, and I look at art not just as, like, fine art, but, like, podcasts, a lot of podcasts, because it's someone's creativeness and, the, you know, whatever there it is, like, or a blog or even, like, a, a good band. Like, that that's art to me. And hearing people's journeys of deconstruction or doing, hearing people's, walking away from the church or just hearing their struggles had helped me kind of put into focus in my head of, oh yeah, I don't really believe that anymore either. Or I don't I don't feel like this view is what I hold anymore. So to me I think too like art art just... art's helping me art helped me deconstruct. I think you get to a point when you deconstruct where then you're just angry and pissed off and you don't know what to do. And so I've I've built it up over you know the years, but I remember when I was really in the kind of like the throes of my deconstruction, having a lot of those artists, musicians, writers, you know, and even podcasts, kind of helped me get to that point. But then also, you know, art has helped me in different forms of art, get me to the point where I'm at in my faith right, as well. But also, let's say people. just just you know visually, like you and Angela both heavily tattooed. Like art plays a good role in that. Those were all, those were all intentional things that you did, and time you spent, and money you spent. I mean, and they tell a story on you too. So like, not only you're you're walking pieces. I think of art. it's I think art is a great way to tell stories. And um, I mean, my tattoos are really personal, um, and 
I had a lady actually in the food shop ask me about some of them, and I'm like, well, it's like a personal story, and she didn't really understand it. <laughs> Going to, like, this big thing. Well, this represents my struggle right. with my femininity and, like, you know, mm-hmm. like, stuff you just don't tell a stranger. Yeah. But it's, like, mm-hmm. something so I look at... you them, because, you know, when you're, when you're present. You're just blind. Right. Yeah. But it's something that I can look at every day, and it's, like, yeah. a reminder of, like, growth or... Oh, yeah. A reminder of like something that I want to embody every day, and it's like I don't know. It's to me, it's easier for me to tell a story visually than it is to maybe say well, it's, it. Yeah, it's like journaling. You know? Yeah, um, which sounds weird, but I mean that's you know like it shows a journey and tells a journey that's more meaningful to you than anyone else, but then it's also for everyone to see too. Yeah, you're like go tell them on top, man. <laughs> Where'd you take that turn? It's a it's a person. It's like a memento. It's like you know uh, yeah. coming back to art. Like I have tattoos that like people ask me about them, and I'm like I can't even explain this to you. It's, it's a reminder to me, but at the same time, it's, it's displayed to the world. Yeah, you know? I forget I have tattoos all the time. Yeah, and I'm like, oh yeah, these. Oh these. Yeah. No. <laughs> oh these old things. Oh, oh these this old, old rag. Oh, oh this old oh, rag. Oh, that's been on since oh, 2003, y'all. <laughs> Suddenly, Josh is from the south. Yeah. <laughs> hey, yeah. don't talk about the south. Hey, I, you motherfucker. This <laughs> just got real. I know. I'm like, uh, does anyone else have anything people. they want to say about art? I'm drained. Do you want to do recommendations? Yeah, we'll do recommendations. I'm tired. All right. So I think it's a good dis- good discussion. Yeah. Yeah. Like Thank you yeah. for being here. Hashtag art. <laughs> is that hashtag? Hashtag art. It's not fuck hell. It's, it's art. No, we're not talking hashtag about hell. We're talking about art. Hashtag fuck art. So oh, tweet at us. Thank you, Ben oh, Phelps, for saying that. Nice. He said so. That was our hashtag. When he was like, eh, "Fuck hell." <laughs> that's when I, that's when I stopped. I stopped believing in hell on the air on this podcast. <laughs> I stopped believing. I owe it all to Ben. You're welcome. You're welcome. Ben Phelps was also a. Uh, Scholar from the studies of the university. Sorry, God. <laughs> so we're gonna do recommendations. Who wants to go? Who wants to go first? Recommendation. You. Fine, I'll go. I told Amanda that I'm gonna recommend this, so she can't steal it. But Amanda and I are binge watching the show on Hulu called Superstore. Oh, I love that show. Uh, <laughs> it's a sitcom on NBC, and I'm not always big into sitcoms. Like we really like Big Bang and, and some other shows, but. I got hooked. I it is one of the most funniest shows I've ever watched. It's a great show. If you know me, I watch a ton of like Netflix and TV. But really, the premise is very easy. It's a bunch of people who work day to day, you know, in a big box superstore. It's called Cloud Nine. Uh, the main star is America Ferrera, um, who's like Sisterhood of the Traveling Pants and all that stuff. Ugly Betty. Oh, yeah, Ugly yeah, Betty. But and the, and Mark, what's his name? Mark oh. McKinney, who is in uh, Kids in the, the Hall. The Whistler. I guess, but he was in Kids in the Hall, which is like the Canadian version of like an SNL. But those are like the two most famous people. But it's an absolute laugh riot. Like we'll just like we'll be like, okay, we just want to watch one before bed, and then like two or three episodes later, we're like, finally, we got to go to bed. It's just, so good. Oh, it's so good. stinking funny, and they're only twenty minutes <coughs> long, so it's not you're not too invested. But it's it's very funny, so I highly recommend that. Please, Amanda. I I got nothing, honestly. I was just dealing with a screaming toddler for like an hour. You're just a good mom. You're just a good mom. That's our recommendation. I honestly feel feel drained now and don't really have much for recommendation. Except 
for the contraceptives. Uh, maybe? Yeah. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> having one, <laughs> having one kid might be enough. I'm just oh my god! Except for <laughs> two, so this not come back. Contraceptives. <laughs> no particular. Except for two things that is making my daughter very happy right now is Llama Llama on Netflix. Yeah. She hey. loves to dance with it. She, she does this Llama, little shoulder Llama. shimmy. It's pretty it's funny true. and uh, Elvis music. She, we were having a dance party. Oh, Elvis music, Elvis. so oh, cute. So thank, thank God for Netflix, Amazon music, hips? all that stuff. <laughs> No, it's just sitting. Let me show you something. Don't These look at that Elvis, Elvis. Um, oh, wow. <laughs> I forgot that's from. Anyway, um, my recommendation is a YouTube video. Um, I've been watching it almost daily. Uh, it's a live performance um, of a band called The Jam, and they are doing a cover of a song that the Beatles also did a cover of. I think the original artist was Richard Williams and it's called Slow Down um, and the jam was like uh, like English kind of mod punk band in the 1970s I think the videos from 1977 and it's just like these three like sweaty British punks they're in like these like gnarly suits and uh, the lead singer Paul he has an amazing voice and they just fucking steamroll through that performance. Nice. Like, everyone is on point. They're playing these gorgeous Rickenbacker guitars. Oh. They're just, like, flailing all over the place. And Paul's voice is so strong. And the performance is so good. So, uh, just YouTube uh, The Jam, J A M, Slow Down Live. And it's the first one that comes up. And it is so damn good. <laughs> Okay, I'm sorry I have them. I just have to say talk about music. I listened to this on the radio and I instantly went and bought the song. How many of you know the song Zombie by the Cranberries? Zombie, Zombie. Well, there's this band. I've never heard of the (laughs) band, but they're called Bad Wolves, but they're like a hardcore band. And they redid Zombie. Ooh. Uh, It's so freaking good. And like... It's funny because like the radio station I heard it on does not play that kind of music, but they're like the song is like it's such a good cover of huh. Zombie because I think the lead singer of Zombie she passed. Uh, yeah, 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 yeah. So it, it was super good. So just go on iTunes or look it up on um, YouTube. It's super good. Bad Wolves, with the cover of Zombie. That's sweet. Let's start over recommendations now, Amanda. <laughs> it's up to you. Pass. It's on this invisible person here. Say something. Mm-mm. Say words. No. Okay. She said, uh, word. she said no. That's fine. That's a word. I, no means no, so. <laughs> fuck. I, uh. <laughs> oh, fuck. Stop motioning to me, Brian. I recommend. Brian is motioning a digging your own grave. <laughs> yeah. This is why I have not had a girlfriend or boyfriend for like a year and a half. Good news. Um, <laughs> I recommend the podcast. Can't, see, I'm a northerner now. The podcast called uh, Comedy Bang Bang and Doughboys. They both make me laugh. They make me forget about how much I worry about religion. And it makes me check out of life. And that's a good thing, I think, sometimes. So that's my play. Sweet. 
sweet. I would recommend uh, healthy nutrition. And, uh, <laughs> just in general? Yeah, just in general. <laughs> uh, I was going to say, is that a podcast? Look after your body. Look after your body. It's healthy nutrition, yeah, guys. Just eat, like, eat real food. Um, please. Drink a lot of alcohol. Uh, that would be my <laughs> recommendation. No, no that's, that's all I got. That's it. Go ahead. Kayleen, <laughs> <laughs> if you're ever giving us a recommendation, yes, you have, have to give one. Yes, I have. Okay, She's giving a recommendation. I'm sorry. Before the podcast, you were talking about a show I that... Just, I know. I yes, that's what I recommend that. Do. I don't know if you said watching, anything while I was upstairs. I've been watching Supergirl, and it's very interesting. And it has a lot of... This, this season, the third season, is very dark. And it has a lot of interesting... It's on the WB. How dark is it? No, seriously. Well, it's it's got CW. a lot of religious. It's the CW, stuff not the. Oh, with that really? Like so in the third season? Yeah, yeah. yeah. There's like, really? There's like a new a new character who's like trying to like cleanse people from sin, and there's a lot of like stuff. A crazy character. Yeah, please. Ooh, tell me more. I'm becoming generally evil. But it's it's very interesting. So and sorry for the spoilers up here. Oh, dang it! Now I can't watch the show. You yeah. can watch I have to delete this, this whole podcast. We give a spoiler for Supergirl, so it's over. We're all dead. Oh. We're all, all dead. Done. Mason. Yeah, I've got two. Is that okay? Yeah, that's absolutely. Fine. No, you have to do three. No, oh, no pressure. Two. <laughs> I'll do three then. Um, my first one is I don't know if anybody out there, especially <laughs> listeners, have ever heard of this band called Mumford and Sons, but. <laughs> I've unfollowed the guy because he tweeted that once where he was like unironically like if you've never heard the band Mumford and Sons you should totally check them out sometimes and he was totally being serious have you ever heard of the Beatles? and I quickly quickly unfollowed him he's a lead singer of the Mumford and Sons you should check them out they're the shit. They're Check them out. Underground. Cool. Indie. Indie folk. So good. Um, so that would be my first recommendation. Second recommendation, a little bit more serious, is a comedy special by W. Kimu Bell. Um, and he, it just released on Netflix probably a couple weeks ago. And it's called uh, Private School Negro. And oh, he's so good. Yeah. He's a, he's a black man. And so he, obviously a lot of his, like, comedy has been being a black male in the last two years during the Trump era. So it's really interesting. It's really it's pro- awesome. It's so good. He also um, has a, C- a CNN show called uh, Oh yeah, it, it's unbelievable. Uh, yeah, I've seen the show. Yeah, I forget. States of Shades? No. Something no, like that. Yeah. I know what you're talking about. It's, it's good. Yeah. Uh, so that would be my second recommendation. My third recommendation only became a recommendation until a few days ago when I listened to the the newest Listener album. So it's a band called Listener. And no! Good. No! He loves Are you serious? Yeah, I love Listener. We're all born broken people in the most honest day of living. I just saw them, man. And since that first breath, we need grace we'll never give, and we're all born to red devils and white ghosts. Not only these eyes are closed, weird. These eyes are hosts. I tie them to my chest. Best are you fucking serious? Dude, we just I saw them three days ago, mate. Damn Smith. Yes. Get out of my life. Get out of my life. Their new album is This is a house on heavy. fire. Okay, it's good. Sorry. So heavy. <laughs> like this new album like I mean they have a full band now. Like it's 
And like they have the uh, former guitars from the Chariot. Like it's heavy shit. So good. <laughs> can we put this on the Chariot? Can we put this on like the end too? Can we put? Can we put Wooden Heart at the end of this? I, oh, go for great. it. Dan Smith would love it. Also, by the way, Dan Smith might have the best Twitter and Instagram handle. <laughs> Get out of my life, Mason. <laughs> Where it's called <laughs> the Dan Smith. I think we're the Dan. The Dan. Like Dan and seriously. then Smith. Yeah, that's yeah. nice. The Dan like Smith. It. Dan like Smith. It. You just made Caleb's life. Oh my <laughs> God. God. Uh, I just came in my the pants. Dance, the dance that sent. The dance. Like Thank yeah. you for knowing like that. Really it's pretty good. <laughs> Caleb's going to be flying high like, for the rest yeah. of the day. Oops. It's good shit. Goodbye. We're all born to broken people on their most honest day of living. Since our first breath, we'll need grace that we never give it. Well, well, I've been haunted by standard red devils and white ghosts. And it's not only when these eyes are closed. These lies are ropes. And I tied it in my stomach. But they hold this ship together, tossed like leaves in this weather. And my dreams are sails. And I point towards my true north stretch, thin over my rib bones and pray that it gets better. But it won't. He said, I don't believe it will. So I built a wooden heart. Inside this iron ship to sail these blood red seas and find your coast. Don't let these waves wash away your hopes. No. This warship is sinking and I still believe in anchors. Pulling fistfuls of rotten wood from my heart. Well, I still believe in saviors. Huh. As we are all made out of shipwrecks, every single board. Wash and bound my crooked teeth on these rocky shores. So come on. Come on and let's wash each other. With tears of joy and tears of grief. It fold our lives like crashing waves and run upon this beach. Come on, us together. With just some tattered rags staying forever. We only have what we're remembering. Well, I'm the barely living son of a woman, a man who barely made it. We're making it. Taped together on borrowed crutches and new starts. We all have the same holes in our hearts. Everything falls apart at the exact same time that it all comes together perfectly for the next step. But my fear is this prison. And I keep locked below the main deck. I keep a key under my pillow. It's quiet. It's hidden. And my hopes are weapons. And I'm still learning how to use right, but they're heavy and I'm awkward. I'm always running out of fight. So I've carved a wooden heart. Put it in this sinking ship, hoping it would help me flow for just a few more weeks. But I'm all made out of shipwrecks, every twisted beam. Lost and found like you and me, I'll scatter it on the say, so come on. Come on and let's wash each other with tears of joy and tears of grief. And it filled our lives like crashing waves and run up on this beach. Come on and sew us together. We're just some tattered rags staying forever. We only have what we're remembering. Well, my throat, it tastes like house fire and salt water. I wear this tide like loose skin. Come on, rock me to sea. If we hold on tight, we'll hold each other together and not just be some fools rushing to die in our sleep. All these machines will rust, I promise. We'll still be electric, shocking each other back to life. Your hand in mine. And my fingers and your veins connected. Our spines grow stronger inside. Our hands entwined. And my fingers and your veins connect. Our bones grown stronger and soft. So I think I know, but I'm not sure that our church is all made out of shipwrecks. 
Molly's Halsey's rocks of claim. We pick ourselves up and try and grow better through this change. So come on. Come on and let's wash each other with tears of joy and tears of grief. And fold our lives like crash and wives run up on this beach. Come on and sew us together. We're just some tattered rags stained forever. We only have what we remember. Not that one. <laughs> Thanks for awesome. Listener on Audio Tree Live. A post-Christian production.